Hello, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Crash, the UK culture and technology show. This is episode 243, recorded on Sunday the 24th of February 2019. And the time at the beginning of the show is 23.43.03. The idea was I was going to do a show today. But frankly, I'm absolutely shattered, and I'm in no mood to do a show right now. So, insanely, just so that I can say that this show started taping on Sunday, I decided to tape this bit on Sunday, then go and have a nap, and (laughs) tape the rest of it tomorrow. There is absolutely no reason to do that other than my sheer bloody-mindedness. So with that scintillating introduction, I'm now going to bed. See you in a bit. And, of course, that nap ended up being a bit longer than I thought, because it is now Tuesday the 26th of February 2019. Don't worry, I haven't been sleeping since Sunday. Stuff did happen between then and now. (laughs) But we are taping again. And it is now 23.22.50 on, as I said, Tuesday the 26th of February 2019. And I'm continuing with Crash episode 243. And just to remind you yet again, you are listening to Crash, the culture and technology show. And I'm Roy. (laughs) This is a really strange podcast. And just to make it even stranger, I started on Sunday, it's Tuesday now. I'm pretty sure by the time I finish, it will be Wednesday. The three-day-long podcast. Personal news, well, there's quite a lot, but I don't really have that much time to talk about myself. There is just so much to talk about. Let's just say at this stage, nose juice. And as ominous as that sounds, leave it at that. Just don't ask me. Not yet. Because so much in the world of tech and culture has been going on, For the last couple of weeks, there wasn't enough room to talk about every single thing in any great detail, and there still isn't, but there are some things that I'd like to mention, at least in brief, before I get to the more extended things that I want to talk about. So let's try and do this quickly, with as little delay as possible, and I'll run you through some of the Shorter items. The first one is just something that I have been playing with. It's nothing new. I plugged my drum machine and my little Yamaha keyboard into a guitar amp. And like I said, that's nothing new, but maybe something you want to try. People have been trying that since the Rhodes Piano, a keyboard that you can specifically run into a guitar amp, and it will give you new sounds. Try plugging your drum machine into your electric guitar amp. 
I plugged mine into the guitar amp and then ran the Mesa Boogie model, which is for extreme metal, with interesting results, which I might share in the podcast. And on to the next thing. There is a new moon of Jupiter. It has been named Hippocamp. And it was discovered simply because there is so much floating up there, and this was a particularly small moon. But that's nice. Hello, Hippocamp. Recently, I started re-watching Kolchak the Night Stalker. I started with the first two movies. The first movie is called The Night Stalker, and it's from 1972. I'll talk about that later in the podcast. And back to space, Hayabusa 2 landed on the asteroid Ryugu. We talked about Hayabusa 2 in our extended space episode, and it is the probe that has a cannon built into it. Very interesting, and Hayabusa 2 has landed. So well done to Japan and the Japan Space Agency, JAXA. And a bit more space... Opportunity, the Mars rover recently shut down for the last time and it took the longest nap. And I just had a look just before the podcast at the last photograph that it tried to send to Earth but was interrupted by a big sandstorm and then shut down in the middle of taking that picture filled with static. I think that's quite poetic, because that means that Opportunity pulled a large blanket of sand over itself before taking that longest last nap. I just noticed recently that Twitter have made some changes to make top tweets float to the top. Annoyingly, a bit like Facebook puts the most popular posts first. Nice one, Dorsey for making Twitter more annoying. Wallace's giant bee, which is four times bigger than the European honeybee, has been rediscovered on an unnamed Indonesian island because they want to protect it. It's a big bee. And I like honeybees. I think I like this one. Big, black, buzzing bee. But not a bumblebee. Recently, Peter Talk, the bassist of a band that I really like, The Monkees, died. So R.I.P. Peter Talk. And also recently, but in the tech field now, Samsung revealed their Samsung Fold, which I thought was a bit thick and very, very expensive, almost $2,000 U.S., And shortly after that, Huawei revealed their folding phone, the Mate X. And we have coming the Moto Razr, which is also supposed to be using a folding screen and will cost somewhere in the region of $1,500 US. So lots of folding phones. What do I think? Well, maybe that's for another podcast, but I don't think it's that bad an idea. I would quite like to have a phone that unfolded into a medium-sized tablet, 
mainly because I watch a lot of TV and read comics. So having something tablet size would be nice. I was recently flipping through Amazon and I found a copy of a beloved childhood book, Willis Hall's Henry Hollins and the Dinosaur. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but if you have a chance, try and get this. It won't cost you too much, and when I was a child, it had me rolling and laughing for ages, and I must have read it quite a few times. That's Willis Hall's Henry Hollins and the Dinosaur, and it's about the chaos that a schoolboy causes with his dinosaur. And less happy news, Iceland have allowed an annual hunt of 2,000 whales to go ahead. This is despite their green lefty government that wants to stop the whale hunt and a sizable number of the population who also want to stop it. It wasn't quite enough and it's going ahead this year and included in the hunt will be whales that are fairly rare. That's not a good thing really, is it? I don't really know what to add to that. That's pretty sad news. Richard Gere. Now, I don't know why I was thinking of him recently, in the last few days. I think I saw him in something, and his white hair and that kind of weirdly otherworldly look that he has made me think, why isn't he in sci-fi? Now, I know he's been in a couple of genre films, First Night, (laughs) that was bad. And The Mothman Prophecies, which wasn't that bad. At least I thought it wasn't that bad. That may have stung him for spec-fic films. On the other hand, maybe he's just not a fan of sci-fi. And he has enough Hollywood power to really do what he wants at this stage. And actually, he has had that power for years and years. He can do what he wants. I also found out from a tweet that UK's Kieran Shah is the Ewok actor you don't know, or at least I don't know. If you have a chance, look him up. That's Kieran Shah, K-I-R-A-N Shah, S-H-A-H. Rami Malek got a well-deserved Oscar for playing Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, and we talked about that. Yet we did go a bit vanilla and talk about something non-genre in this podcast because I thought it was a really good film, particularly his part in the film. Again, we're straying slightly from culture and technology to talk about Diego Garcia, because I have Mauritian ancestry. So this topic is pretty much up there for a lot of people of Mauritian heritage. The UN have advised in the last day or two, by the time you hear this, that the UK must rescind their hold on Diego Garcia and allow people to return, but this is an advisory, not a law. And the UK government, at least Alan Duncan speaking on behalf of the Foreign Office, 
indicated that this probably won't happen. So that's not so great again. But I thought I had to mention it because it is something that does concern me and I wanted to share it with you on this podcast. Even more recently, Facebook's cognizant staffed moderators have had an article written about their working conditions, and apparently it isn't good, as you can well imagine from the stuff they have to moderate on Facebook. But they also don't get paid very much, and there was a whole article written by Casey Newton that you might want to follow up. And yet another bit of politics strays into this podcast. The Uyghur crisis. Although there is a tech angle here, There was an American company called Thermo Fisher that was selling scientific equipment to help the Chinese government compile a DNA database of the Uyghur people. They have said they're now going to stop doing that. Although, I'm wondering, this couldn't have been a small contract and Thermo Fisher are a multi-billion dollar enterprise. It wasn't as if someone in the Chinese government bought a $10 piece of software from Thermo Fisher and said they're going to use it to compile this database, unless that's actually what happened, but I'm guessing not. So you would have thought they might have known what was happening a bit sooner. I think they started their connection with China in 2016, maybe before, I haven't read that much into it, but it does make you wonder. And it also makes you wonder why we aren't a bit more concerned about this, which is why I've started calling it the Uyghur crisis. Maybe it's because there's so much else that's going on that's disturbing, like, say, for instance, what's going on in Yemen. But... We in the West are actually part of that. I don't know. That's it for the quick news section. I suppose the latest news that is of any relevance is that after three days, I finally get to complete this podcast. I think I deserved a sigh after that. You know, it seems increasingly impossible just to make this podcast about technology and culture, because there is so much stuff going on that isn't neatly pigeonholed into one of those two things, and sometimes I feel the obligation to talk about them, particularly because I'm a solo podcaster and there's no one else to tell me, hey, we're straying a bit. But a tangent can be good sometimes. Let's move on and talk about Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Because I am, as I said in the last few minutes, currently in the progress of doing a big rewatch, which was initially brought on by Insomnia, and I thought, why don't I just sit down with a great big hot cup of tea and enjoy Kolchak? And that's what's happening. At the moment, I have seen the first movie and the second movie, and I have started watching the first episode of the TV show. What I've found so far, although I have watched the entire series before, so maybe I've already talked about this, but there's no reason why I can't say this again. I have found that the first two movies seem very similar to the first few TV show episodes. 
And I'm guessing until the show finds its footing and lessens its need to rehash the same old thing, that's inevitably going to happen. But it does feel a bit repetitious, at least at the beginning of watching the TV shows. Minor quibbles aside, it is a pleasure to follow the hard-drinking, sleazy crime reporter again as he gets tangled up in bloody supernatural cases in Las Vegas, Seattle, and Chicago. And there's a reason he keeps moving town, which you'll find out if you do what I did and start off with the first two movies, which is The Night Stalker and The Night Strangler. I think one of the most engaging things about the show is Darren McGavin's portrayal of Carl Kolchak. He's a bit like Hangdog Hunter S. Thompson slash Nightcrawler, although with a few more scruples than Jake Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler. And this is also a precursor to The X-Files, which was acknowledged by Chris Carter, the creator, and has also at least partly inspired my own occult hack in a novel I'm writing. And there's a great tradition of occult sleuths, and I have an example of one such sleuth right after this. Yeah, so let's go on to the next bit. The Weird of Seabury Quinn. Seabury Quinn was an American pulp magazine author, and he was famous for stories about an occult detective called Jules de Grandine, published in Weird Tales. I suppose I'd better have spelt that. Jules, J-U-L-E-S, de, D-E, Grandin, or Grandin. G-R-A-N-D-I-N, in Weird Tales. Look him up. I think a couple of books were also published, although those might be hard to get. But if you're a regular listener of the show, and you should be, you'll know how to get those books. If you're not, okay, I'll have mercy on you. First, try Amazon, then try Abe Books. A-B-E-B-O-O-K-S. And now let's talk about Lord of the Rings, because there is quite a lot of Lord of the Rings news at the moment. The NME reported that Nicholas Holt will star in the completed Tolkien biopic to be released in May. The link to the article is in the show notes, as is the trailer. Then there's also Amazon's upcoming five-season TV series coming later this year, which will focus on Aragorn the Ranger. I hope they pick someone who actually looks like a busted-up, weather-beaten criminal instead of a male model this time, which was one of my annoyances about the casting of Viggo Mortensen. And that is five seasons to start, but it may go longer, I suppose, depending on its success. If you're looking for something Lord of the Ring-ish until the show premieres, and don't want to read the books, 
check out the brilliant 1978 animated film The Lord of the Rings by Ralph Bakshi, which is actually only The Fellowship of the Ring and a bit of The Two Towers. There's also the Rankin Bass Return of the King from 1980, which was a follow-up to the Bakshi movie with a very different animation style and was also a sequel to the earlier The Hobbit, also by Rankin Bass from 1977. You didn't know there was so much Lord of the Rings on screen that wasn't Peter Jackson, did you? But you know what? Much as I love the book and the Bakshi movie particularly, it does seem that we have completely surpassed peak Tolkien saturation. Yeah, don't remind me, I know the Peter Jackson films were 15 years ago, but still. How much more Tolkien on the screen can we take? For me, personally, the only thing that I would like to perhaps revisit is the book. Next, Full Metal Alchemist. The film is now available on Netflix. The manga and anime went live action back in 2017, but it's now also available on Netflix. I have watched some of the anime TV show, but never followed the whole series. In short, it's about a steampunk world where two brothers cock up an alchemical process to bring their mother back from the dead. Yes, it goes horribly, horribly wrong. You really don't want to try reanimation. One ends up as a soul trapped in a suit of armour, while the other loses an arm and a leg. And as far as I can remember, they go on a quest to reverse the accident. Netflix is definitely getting a lot more international, and you can see their Japanese genre offerings at a link in the show notes. Not quite pop culture, but still culture. There was an article I read about the UK museums ducking the issue of looted booty. Guess what? Those people from foreign want their stuff back. The audacity. I know, right? The British Museum Act of 1963 is the oft-quoted law, but recent requests to the Natural History Museum to return remains to Gibraltar and Chile indicate a growing pressure to return nicked things. I do wonder how soon these requests will become demands and then lawsuits. I'm just really not sure how long we can hide behind that legislation. And yeah, as I always say, the link is in the show notes to that Guardian article, which also took me to a link to a young art historian, Alice Proctor, who runs brilliant and not very expensive uncomfortable art tours, that's what she calls them, which tells visitors about the colonial history of museums, which is very brave of her, going through a museum, pointing out things that have been nicked and the darker side of some of the characters who are often portrayed as heroes, like Nelson, for instance. 
There's another link to an article in The Guardian about her in the show notes, as well as an Eventbrite page so that you can book your own uncomfortable art tour. Next, R.I.P. Kissing Sailor. The Kissing Sailor, famous for being photographed kissing a nurse called Greta Friedman. His name was actually George Mendonca. He died on the 18th. And if you still don't know what I'm talking about, if you've watched Watchmen, they gender-bent that scene. That famous scene in Watchmen where I think the character is Silhouette, kisses the nurse near the beginning of the movie. Well, this is the origin of that bit of film. It was a real thing, and it really happened after World War II. And on to music. Do you remember Space Hog? Actually, I don't either. (laughs) But they were one-hit wonders with a song called In the Meantime, which isn't that bad, really. It's pretty good. Sorry, I'm... English, so when I say it isn't really that bad, it sounds like a a really faint and damning with faint praise type compliment, but what it really means is it's pretty good. Yeah, In the Meantime by Space Hog is pretty good. And amazingly, the lead vocalist slash bassist, always a difficult thing to pull off, ended up marrying, at least for a while, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. I'm not kidding. Amazing. They called themselves Glam, so it's my bag. And the link to the video is in the show notes. (laughs) That's getting really irritating saying that, isn't it? Even for me. And now on to technology. Yep, and science. There is now a Raspberry Pi store, a physical store, in Cambridge. It is very cool and very educational, but what I want to know is why don't they use a real high street store like this one to demo some of the more really desirable and more expensive stuff you can get for the Raspberry Pi, like the Pi Top laptop? Because who wants to mail order something that expensive without trying it first? And it does look like the sort of thing that could almost compete for desirability with Apple stuff. That's just something to think about. And I've included the link to the article in Engadget about the store and to a little YouTube tour of the store by the Raspberry Pi Foundation itself. The next thing I found on YouTube was a chap, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but he was powering his guitar pedals with a cheap USB battery pack, which is a great way of saving money because I know I've got a bunch of batteries from the Pound Store powering everything and I go through a lot of batteries. And I've only got, let's see, one, two, three pedals. In fact, one of my pedals can't even take a battery. It's 18 volt. So, yeah. And, of course, my amps take batteries as well. So that's something to think about if you've got guitar pedals. Look in the show notes for 
that link. I mentioned social exhaustion before in this podcast, something that affects, I thought, just people who are a bit shy like me and nerdy, geeky people, but apparently I'm completely wrong. Social exhaustion actually affects everybody. And there's a link to the Scientific American article about that. Night owls and larks revisited. Night owls, people who stay up late and wake up late, like me. Although I don't know what kind of night owl I am. More like a bat. I stay up really late and can't get to bed till really late either. But anyway, night owls and larks revisited. Apparently the brain function in both chronotypes differ. Brains of night owls who sleep at around 2.30 in the morning and wake up at around 10.15 in the morning. And earlier wakers, the non-night owls, the larks, were scanned between 8 in the morning and 8 at night. And the findings were that night owls had less brain connectivity in regions associated with maintaining consciousness. Staying awake, in other words had poorer attention spans, slower reactions, and increased sleepiness. Not really that much of a surprise. The quote that I took verbatim from the article is as follows. Night owls were disadvantaged by the constraints of the typical working day. And the lead researcher, Dr. Elise Facer Childs of the University of Birmingham Centre for Human Brain Health said, Night owls tend to be compromised throughout their lives. Thanks a lot, agriculture. If you want to follow that up, show notes. <laughs> Finally, child psychopathy. Now, what an ominous thing to almost end on. But... Like all fans and creators of La Horreur, we're constantly misusing this term. We don't really use the term psychopath correctly, and it's such a mainstay of the genre. And it's not even well understood by science. So if you really, really want to scare yourself, read this article in The Atlantic. It does and on a hopeful note, but it's unsettling. But it's good to know what you're actually writing about. And using science is a way to do that. We can't just make everything up. And that's about it. We're into the after show section now. Thank goodness. I was worried that this would end up running for an hour, but it didn't. Oh, today it was sunny. And I got a WhatsApp message from my aunt telling me to go out and enjoy the sun, which I did. But man, it was like a hammer in the face. <laughs> and apparently, I have been told my vitamin D may still be up the spout. And with the eye problems I've been having lately, I was walking around with my sunglasses and still it was just so, so bright. I wasn't the only one. Even normal mortals 
were wearing their sunglasses today, so I didn't look like a complete weirdo. Yeah, Night Owl. Bat. Nosferatu. That's it for today, and now I've got the editing to do, and it's past midnight. The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find me at RoyMartha.com. And that's where you can find ways of contacting me as well. If you want to help, please review the show in iTunes and recommend it to a friend. You were listening to Crash, the Culture and Technology Show, episode 243, recorded over the course of three days, from Sunday to Tuesday, and now Wednesday. Yes, it's Wednesday morning now. It is at the end of the show, Wednesday the 27th of February 2019, at 2 minutes and 36 seconds past midnight. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!